0: Oh, good morning! Look at that! Look at that! <laughs> look at you! <laughs> did you have a laugh about that? I kind of did. Just thought I'd support your efforts. It's it's pretty funny.
1: Um, should we uh, hit our sponsors?
0: Yeah, need essentials, right? I think we should. Yes, I, I absolutely yes. love Need Essentials, man. I've been wearing my Neat Essentials, the water's warmer here, and I've been wearing my Neat Essentials jacket, and it's light and right, and uh, and I'm stoked. I love Neat Essentials, I'm a big fan, and I've got a friggin' wetsuit locker filled with Neat Essential wetsuits, man.
1: My closet is filled with them, too. Well,
0: uh, how's your overall general health, Scott Bass? Well, I feel healthy. I do need to go in for a colonoscopy. Do you really? But, uh, sure, man, you'll get there. Have you ever had one? I have. Yeah. Insert colonoscopy joke here.
1: Best way to stay regular, Scott, athletic greens. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> regular and fully healthy. Um, I have a few bad habits, eating dietary habits, but this balances them out, basically. For all of the holes I leave in my, in my diet, this comes in and putties over everything and gives a smooth working surface for me to operate throughout my day. Not only physically, to be honest, like, uh, energy wise, but synaptically brain wise, I feel sharper. That's why I was doing it for a while in the afternoons. Got to do it in the mornings, get the maximum benefit. Just wake up in the morning, do it in the morning. So it's yeah. 7 AM. I'm going to ingest the eight ounces right now. It's just water and green powder and uh, it's the easiest way for op- to find optimal health.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan. I drink mine every morning with my breakfast. It's part of my routine. And yeah, Athletic Greens. Go there now, AthleticGreens.com/surf to get your um, super special discount from Surf Splendor and uh, Spit Podcast. Awesome. On to today's show. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, guy. It's Spit. We are talking all things surf. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you. It's Thursday. We took a day off. It's Thursday, June 17th. And um, we were speaking earlier about, or you were speaking about lapses in your diet. What's the one sort of area in your diet where you're like, oh, I shouldn't eat this, but I do anyway. Two things. Yeah.
1: Uh, Alcohol and sugar. Those are my two vices. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. interesting. And Um, it's not excessive, but it's, um, if I cut it out, I feel like I'd be 20 pounds lighter and sharp, you know, but it's like, I just enjoy it so much that I feel that it's okay to not live a super regimented life. Like if you, if you are generally healthy and, um, and happy because of those things, then that's maybe a better equation for me than just being 100% healthy and then sacrificing some of my comfort and enjoyment, you know? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, yours? mine are more specific. I have a problem and it's a Lorna Dune problem. (laughs) Lorna Dune shortcake cookies. And what I do is I get the Lorna Dunes and then I get a, Dark chocolate, sea-salted caramel.
1: Holy guacamole.
0: Yeah. So you take the Lorna Dune shortcake cookie and you combine it with this caramel and you put it in your mouth and you chew it and there's an explosion of... Uh, Are you of, making a sandwich? Not physically. I'm kind of making the sandwich as I chew. I oh, put a I little see. bit and then put, a, yeah, and then make this thing in my mouth, which sounds quite gross. But uh, yeah, that would be my issue. The, I have a little Lorna Dune problem. So
1: so it's not as if there's a Lorna. If you put a Lorna Dune on the bottom and the top, it'd be too much Dune, right? The ratio would be off. So what you're talking about is just one
0: Dune right. and one caramel. One little bite of each. And gotcha. you just kind of you know, go through. Now, the problem is I, to my right over here in my cabinet, there's a stack of Lorna Dune's cookies. Because when I go into the grocery store, I literally like look both ways down the aisle and make sure nobody's in there. And then I just scoop the whole thing of <laughs> Lorna Dunes into my cart. And I show up at the checkout lady or person. And um, she's like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, you know, my kid's having a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And I have to lie about my Lorna Dune intake. And distributing a, these to the homeless population i'm doing a good deed <laughs> this, is the, this is the first sign of an addiction when you have to lie about your situation well and the fact that they're hidden
1: in your garage away from your family's view is also no no, no they're not
0: hidden they're just stored i am I proudly display them i have no problem it's just that my you know my snack drawer in my kitchen's filled with them so the leftovers the, all the you know like i said i but i basically empty this the grocery store when i go there so,
1: what about the t- the chocolate though? You're being you're being vague about the brand of chocolate.
0: The chocolates come from Costco, and it's a, one of those big sort of jars, kind of like kind of like this, mm. filled with. Okay, I support
1: um, it. I support this habit, Scott. Could be worse. Uh, well, did and you trade in sourdough?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the sourdough is still going strong, but um, the sourdough is a part of my deal for sure. Um, well, the,
1: and then the thing with sourdough is butter. You got to have excellent butter with it, you know, so then that's another vice.
0: Well, let's be truthful. That's all it is, is it it's a transference of butter. It's like lobster. You know what I mean? Like, it's really just a way to move the butter from one area to the to the mouth, you know. So that's
1: the problem with wine with wine for me is that it's a gateway to uh, just way more calories because if I had a small portion of dinner without wine, that's all I would eat. But the wine loosens up your inhibitions and like your um, restrictors, your restrictor valve, you know? And so then it's like, you know what? I'm gonna have a second helping. You know what else sounds good? Ice cream. After ice cream, a chocolate sounds great right now. And then, you know, one glass after that, then you're loosened up. You're like, yeah, a second glass of wine too. I'm having a second plate of food. I need another glass of wine to go with it. And all of a sudden you've tripled your calorie intake for the day. So it's,
0: yeah.
1: it's not just the glass of wine itself or the second glass of wine. It's all that comes with it. The cavalcade.
0: Yeah. So do you just drink two glasses of wine or do you ever find yourself drinking more than two glasses of wine? Oh, I've
1: drank I've drunk <laughs> way more than two glasses, but yeah. right. But Lauren's not drinking because she's pregnant. And so, okay. yeah. So um, we like to be on the same wavelength, you know what I mean? So a glass yeah. of wine, I mean, last night I drank less than, I drink a third of the bottle. So it'd be like a glass and a half, two glasses.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's not much. Yeah. That's kind of mean though, huh? They're like drink wine and she's like, oh, I'd love a glass of wine, but I can't, you know? So yeah. you kind of just, maybe why don't you just put, why don't you stop drinking alcohol while she's pregnant?
1: I did for the first couple of months. No, man. no, no.
0: I said, you <laughs> know what I said? While she's pregnant, the full term.
1: Yeah, I, I should, I should, you're I right. I should stand can in you. solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, would it be difficult? I'd miss it, but it wouldn't be difficult. I'd be. Yeah. Um, But you know what the balance is? She has to give up wine, but now she loves ice cream. (laughs) So it's like it's like now that's in the house all day, every day. And we still have three or four pints that are unfinished. Any one of us, either one of us go to the grocery store, get another pint. Because it was like the flavor you saw last time, but you didn't get. I need to get that now.
0: Well, you know, it's the, it's the 21st century, but one of the great sort of um, underreported Travisham mockeries of the 20th century was when Haagen-Dazs stopped making their vanilla fudge ice cream, which was the most insane brand, uh, brand not brand, but the flavor that they had. It was incredible, the vanilla fudge. And for some reason, they must have found out I liked it. And they said, let's, let's ruin Scott's life. And they stopped making vanilla fudge Haagen-Dazs. God forbid
1: uh, Lorna Dune gets any wild ideas. Yeah.
0: Lorna Dune. She's a sweetheart.
1: You know what you should do is smash up some of that Lorna Dune in the vanilla ice cream.
0: That would be amazing. This would be amazing. Um, All right. We poured the living crap out of our surf listeners.
1: Everybody loves food. Everybody can relate to food. That's a good point. Um, I only really watched and did two things in this week in in regard to actually, I was going to talk about East.
0: I was oh, going talk to uh, talk
1: about Lost Track, but I should say first, Scott, because yeah. I need to alert listeners. Yes. All of our generous subscribers who contribute $5 a month, they are entered to win a Channel Islands Too Happy this month. Oh my God. They're I'm, psyched. I'm giving one away on um, July 1st, and all we do is randomly, there's a Wheel of Fortune app. And I copy and paste everybody's names into the app, and it puts them on the wheel of fortune. I click spin, and the thing spins, and it picks a window randomly. Those names are compiled from our loyal uh, donors and subscribers. So you could do that on SurfSplendorPodcast.com. There's a subscription tab, and um, it's a it keeps us in business basically. Ad revenue. Over the years, is kind of up and down at times, but this core foundation of support from our listeners is what keeps us in business. And um, so, as a thank you, we like to do these types of giveaways. And so, the Channel Islands Two Happy is their current kind of everyman shortboard. The Happy model was their high-performance shortboard that the pros were riding to great success. This one's kind of modified to make it more. User friendly and also wider variety of waves to be surfed in. I have one. I was riding it for probably two months. Um, really? Yeah. Do you still have it? I do.
0: I busted the inbox in it.
1: Um, six one, I think.
0: How wide is it?
1: I'll send you the dims. I don't. I don't. Okay. Really...
0: I have a. I have a. Um, a confession. Okay. To make. Okay. To you and to all the listeners. Oh, great! Yesterday, I went on a surfboard binge and I'm cuz I'm riding this 180 surfboards that I really like but it's 64 but I really like it I just want it a little smaller you know what I what I think I really like is both the fins but I think the the dished out tail the single single concave so I went on to channel islands' site I'm like I'm buying a new board I'm bu-. what I really like is the round tail you know the mm-hmm. the round tail and I was like wow it just feels so Neutral, like I said earlier, it feels neutral, like I'm in control of what's going to happen next, you know. And um, so I went on to Channel Islands and I scoured their site as I've done many times. And I'm like, you know what, I want a neck beard three. Neck beard three seems to be, and I looked at the dims and I'm like, those are the dims, it's like 20 and a quarter or 20 and a half, a six two neck beard three. It looks like the right one, you know. I had the single concave, and and I tried to buy it, I was just going to buy it right there, 800 bucks, 850 bucks, whatever. They're out of stock. Like, of course, they have been, and everyone has yeah. been for the last year and a half. This isn't the first time this has happened to me. Where I'm like, I'm, I've got a thousand dollars in my hand. I want to give it to you. I know, and I can't do it. I can't make the transfer of the commerce take place. I want to buy a brand new surfboard, yeah, from Channel Islands, a mm-hmm. Neckbeard Three, you know. And I end up scouring all the Hansons and Encinitas and Surf Ride in Oceanside and Surf Ride in Solana Beach and Mitch's and I just can't find the right board and it's frustrating.
1: Did you reach out to our friends there?
0: No, nah, I, I need, I mean, I don't feel like I, I want to just pay retail. Like I, I don't want to be that guy that's like, Hey bro, do you got a neck three three? You know, like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Plus frankly, Devin's been telling me he's going to get me a board for like a year and a half. I've never seen a board. I've never seen one. You know what I mean? When um, I get a channel islands, it's because I go to Surf Ride and I pay, which again, I don't mind doing. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying there's yeah. a lot of yeah, let's get a board under your feet, Scott. And I never ever see a board from Devin.
1: That's amazing. You,
0: however, seem to get a lot of boards.
1: Yeah, well, um the i I was thinking the Neckbeard 3 wasn't out yet. I thought the end of the story was gonna be they were had they added on oh. their website as like a coming soon.
0: No, it's out of stock. Like everything. okay, yeah. I that mean, makes God sense. bless them. I'm stoked that they're busy and they're I know that. You know, it's a tough time. Well, they have too but many That's mod- the
1: board. That's, I mean, they have so many models, though. That's the other thing is how do you even roll out all of those? Because the one that I'm hyped about is the twin fin. Yeah, that,
0: I know that Michael February is writing.
1: And that Tom Kern was writing in that uh, Free Scrubber film, you know. Was that and then, the same board? Yeah. Oh. It's the, they've been working on that with Tom for a year or two. And so I'm like, man, I'm really looking forward to seeing that thing come out. But then I want to see the Bobby Quad, too. The Bobby Quad looks sick. And so, and the, but it, I also need a shortboard, so I need the two happy, you know, and it's just like you can't keep up with all of it. And they can't keep up,
0: obviously. With you know, what's weird? I went, I just went to Channel Island Surfboard's website, and guess what popped up? The Between. Neckbeard 3 and the two happy because they heard us talking about it. I don't know, bro. The algorithm cops. The, the Neckbeard 3 is insane, bro. I haven't, I haven't even looked at it. I'll look at I it. I sound like Mason Hope. This um, is a great segue into this. It is. Key it key. is.
1: So by the way, though, subscribe to our podcast, support us, win a neck
0: beer or a uh, too happy. Oh, man. I or want one of these. How do you get them to give away to customers? I can't even, subscribers, I can't even buy one off their website.
1: Well, that's the thing that the uh, winner may have to wait for it. Put it, <laughs> in, the, put it in the production what? queue. How long? <laughs> well, look, at times I give away the one that the shaper gives me to ride yeah. But this one, Britt Merrick shaped it. It has my name on it. I didn't feel right giving it away. Um, and it, it works out better for the listener too because they can get one dialed to their specs. So oh, we'll, we'll get them a stock, stock one to their specs off the site.
0: It'll be a two happy. It'll be a three happy by the time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, so get into it. Get into it. Okay, Mason. yeah. So look, um, East, right? We're going to call it East, the electric acid surfboard test produced by stab and um, the guys there and they do a great job and we love it and can we I love it so much you, that, yeah. can
1: i ask you one question sure just because it's a follow-up from last week yeah did the shapers get enough credit because that was your concern
0: um i wouldn't say they got not enough credit do you think that they got plenty of credit
1: i thought they really did i thought yeah i thought really? they yeah completely panda
0: panda got a lot of credit you Panda. They not... barely even talked about that board.
1: True, that board didn't. But and I they... thought
0: they surfed that board really well. I agree. KokoHode definitely did.
1: I agree. They did a long um, kind of intro for the Bobby Quad, explaining, you know, not only the Channel Islands legacy and the buyback, but also how that board came to be and Bobby's significance. Then with the Mayhem Twin. They spent a bunch of time on that. They even got Akila Ipa to break down all of the context. So I thought it was very, very design focused with a huge emphasis on the shapers, except for Panda. You're right; that was the one that they kind of didn't hit too hard.
0: I thought that Coco absolutely ripped the Channel Islands, the Bobby Quad, right? That was the green one she was on, I think. Yeah. Um, but let me let me back up a little bit. You kind of yes, come yes. back to what... sorry. So. Let me just say this, and again, I'm being hypercritical, and I'm this isn't an attack on anyone. This is just my thoughts on it. I'm not convinced that the two hoes are the best communicators um, of, of the breakdown of this of the surfboards. Like I said last time, right? Their surfing tells me more about the boards than their verbal breakdown of the boards post-surf. Now, Coco is absolutely adorable. Mason Ho is gregarious. They're both fun. They're incredibly cute together. You learn a lot about the brother-sister relationship and sort of the sibling um, dynamic. Thank you. But there's a lot of kind of deep surfer code vernacular. Um, And the one thing that I take, take away from this, if there's one big takeaway for me, and you've already mentioned it, who do you think provided the best insight? ashton no Ipa. oh yeah yeah akila ipa was the most was Tremendous. the best communicator and super effective and we both know that akila ipa absolutely shreds or surfs well enough to be the test pilot for this now he said some stuff like here's a great quote everyone's trying to crack the code of the twin fin blending performance with freedom That sentence right there is a great, some Mm -hmm. great insight. And that really is what we're trying to do as both surfers and of course the shapers. Right. So backing up a bit, what are your thoughts on my, I don't want to say criticism, but um, I, I love the hose and I'm looking forward to today's episode and I'm looking forward to more of Coco Ho and Mason Ho. I'm just not convinced that they're the best communicators of host surf, how the board works.
1: They're not. But I think the entertainment value from them um, is worth having them on, especially if you can bolster their surfing with feedback like Aquila's, which I don't know that they'll be able to in every episode. That would just, that was just happenstance that Aquila was down there. Um, but I agree with you. I I got a comment from a listener who said they had to stop watching it because yeah. of Mason and. Yeah. I fully actually related to that. I didn't stop watching, but I related to it. And Mason's great in small tidbits, but asking him to kind of break down this stuff, his shtick, which isn't shtick, it's actually his kind of earnest way of communicating, is um, exhaustive to try to track. And like, what was interesting was that Coco would be on a thought and like being like pulling it out, kind of pulling the thread, you know, getting it out. And then Mason would either interject or she would even defer, like, what do you think Mason? And he would give his um, his way of communicating, which doesn't make sense to anybody. Like you said, it's this deep coded surf, surfy vernacular that's unique to him and his region that he's from or whatever, it's encoded. And then she would go, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, Coco. You can decipher the code because you're siblings and you've been around him his whole life. You understand, apparently. And I thought that she'd actually laugh at him and be like, Mason, that doesn't make any sense at all. But she never once laughed at him. She fully understood what he was talking about each time. And to be honest, I could kind of glean what he would be talking about as well. But it was, I mean, it required a lot of the viewer. Sometimes you're in a conversation with somebody and you feel like you're doing 90% of the communicating. That's how I felt watching Mason. I'm like, running a a calculus of five things that you could be meaning and trying, and then you'll have a follow-up sentence. And I go, Oh, based on that follow-up, he meant the one of the five things over here, you know, but that's a lot for me to engage in.
0: You absolutely nailed it, David. I can't say it any better than that. That is, that is the, what we're running up against here in episode one. And, you know, I, I sincerely think that the best, East test pilot might be a shaper, and this is hard to get, right? A shaper who rips, Daniel, who also has enough humility to ride different boards, none of his boards, and to be forthright and to be honest, and that's a really hard combination to come by, you know? Because who wants to like go out there and basically pimp all your competitors, right? Right. Right. But Akila Ipa is an example of a guy who might be that guy. There's another guy. Ryan Sacal absolutely rips. He would be a guy that might be that guy. Cause I know Ryan has enough humility to just be like, Hey, I really like this board. This is, I wish, you know, Ryan's the type of guy that would be like, you know, I, I can't wait to make one like this, you know, or yeah. what, you know what I mean? So, and, and then of course we did get some, some follow-up about our discussion about who would be really good in this. <laughs> and I think you and I came up with Birch maybe, or some others. And the obvious one that I don't think we came up with, we may have in the past, is Dave Rostovich. Yep. Dave Rostovich would be one. I think he's a great communicator. And obviously his surfing does a lot of communicating. Now, let me ask you this when you watched Mason and Coco ride the different boards, I'm sure you found yourself going, he's not riding that one as good as the other one. Totally. Did you, did you sense that? Completely. I mean, which board did you think he rode better relative to? Uh,
1: in order, the Panda, they rode the best, uh, the Bobby Quad, second. But the waves were wrong for that yeah. for that board, and then the um, Mayhem Twin was by far the worst.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of the vibe I got
1: too. Um, anyway, what, you, what yeah. stood out to me was, or what kind of shocked me, was how little they know about boards, um, trends in the market, designs, and shapers. Our listeners know far more than they do. I mean, they'd pick up a board, you know, the Morning of the Earth, uh, Simon Jones-shaped board, and they they had, like, never seen anything like it before. And the album, they were just like, oh, yeah, I think I've seen that this aesthetic kind of matches what I've seen online or something. Like, they just, even the names of shapers, they had never heard of before. You know, people that have been in your and my orbit for a decade now that I feel are household names, somehow Mason Ho has never heard of. And... That's fine. That's neither here nor there. He doesn't have to know about them. He only rides mayhems and
0: he's, you could argue that's a good thing in a weird way, you know, that there's an objectivity there.
1: Yeah. It's not wrong. It's just, I was surprised by it. You know, I was surprised how um, narrow their focus was. The other thing is I thought the mayhem twin looked bad and they were surfing it wrong, but I also felt like they knew it was a mayhem. And so when they talked about it, they spoke more favorably about that board than any other board and they were bogging on it, you know, <laughs> like, and I, the thing that I appreciated was that they even said I was surfing the board wrong. Like I realized after a couple that I should have been, I don't know what they said, but doing this instead of that. And I thought that was uh, pretty self-aware, but the fact that they got off that surf experience and was like, that board's great. I was like, wait, what? That's not the footage we saw, you know? And that was a prototype board, by the way. I'm not throwing Mayam under the bus. Like that is a board that's in, you know, R and and they were writing it <laughs> incorrectly.
0: But well, Matt's Matt's smart enough to make sure that he puts the word prototype on this, this uh, East, you know, this. Yeah, yeah. Which is a smart move, by yeah. the way. I'm yeah. just still developing it. Totally. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think that they surfed that board particularly well. I really thought that Ho surfed the Bobby Quad really, really well. She was ripping on that thing. Yeah, like just smooth and natural and everything was flowing together. And Best she's ever surfed. how much, um, you know, a pinched rail or a thinned out rail. Because th- those mayhems were, were kind of beaky and full yeah. up in the top half. And it looked like the wide point was forward. That's probably not something that those two are used to riding. Totally. But uh, anyway, it's going to be fun. Um, here's another name I'll throw at you real quick. Harrison Roach was throwing yeah. my name. I got out my way. I think that's an interesting one.
1: I think he fits. He doesn't. I don't see him nearly enough, you know. But yeah. everything that I've always seen of him, of course, he surfs like a wide variety of boards
0: beautifully and stylishly, and all that. Who, what, what shapers make sense? And by the way, tell me, I would be, I would be absolutely stoked if Akila Ipa just did this. Like, if next yeah. year they go, we're picking Akila Ipa, I'd be like, this is perfect. We've got you know, second generation Hawaiian shaper who absolutely rips, who was a great communicator. I mean, the stuff that he said made tons of sense. He was very thoughtful. Um, I don't know.
1: He's what are your great.
0: thoughts on Would you be excited? Would you, I guess um, I'm looking at it more like, I want somebody to, to break down the board design in a kind of a granular fashion.
1: I think that just has such a narrower audience that really wants that level of communication or that level of detail in the design. So, firstly, Aquila's had a back injury, like a pretty significant one. And he's been coming off of that for like two years. And so his surfing isn't up to what, um, you might remember it being. So he's coming off of that, but, um, uh, Daniel Thompson, obviously. So the, the problem with everybody that you've said is like Ryan Sackel, for example, is yes, Ryan surfs great, but it's not to the level of, uh, you know Mason Ho and the other uh, Stephanie Gilmore. But that's and the,
0: okay. I think that's okay. I do I, I, because when I, I think watch, it takes
1: a lot away from the the entertainment might. of
0: it. I'm not saying it doesn't. From the entertainment, you're right. You know, like we don't get to watch one of the hottest surfers in the world rip like Mason and frankly Coco.
1: It would be hard what, to watch 30 I, minutes of it. Four maybe. episodes of 30 minutes. You know,
0: maybe, maybe, and, and and that's again, we're we're sort of picking the eyeballs out of it here, but. I'm always watching the board as much as I'm watching what's like, I'm looking at how the board's reacting off the bottom. I'm looking to see if they, if there's a, a chink in the armor of the bottom turn, like I'm looking, I'm pretty, maybe I'm, you know, this is just me. I'm kind of grinding in on the the way the, the, the water's flowing off the board when they're doing turns, mostly bottom turns yeah. and transitions. I, I want to see how the board transitions, you know, but anyway, yeah i like the idea of a a shaper who rips doing this but again it's difficult you need like i said you need humility and that's really hard to find somebody that's going to like take their ego out of the equation and uh... by the way you mentioned tomo daniel thompson i just did a podcast with him it'll be coming up on the boardroom podcast next week
1: nice is he coming to the boardroom show
0: he's trying really hard to get here um you know he's in australia he's got a, a knee injury but um he's planning on being here in september yeah
1: So Daniel would be a great one, I think. And also surfs to the level of uh, professionals, modern professionals, even Um, Ryan Birch would be the obvious one we already discussed.
0: Well, here's the thing. Let's again, remember, I think the the critical thing here is to offer honesty without ego, like this idea of humility (laughs) to to praise. And I'm not saying those guys have (laughs) ego. I'm just saying it's naturally inbred to be not inbred, but it's a natural thing to just. Innate. So like when you think about shapers that shred and I actually think Ryan Birch would be good. Um, and I, and I think Daniel would be good too. Um, but just keep that in mind that what we really, the key to this whole puzzle is a shaper that has humility.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, cause I've thought of some guys I'm like, Hmm, I don't know. He might not, you know, what you don't want is a guy going, Oh, this is lame. Or, of course. This is, yeah. You know, like, so anyway. yeah.
1: Um, so Kelly Slater is actually the next pilot, yeah. test pilot. Oh, is he? Yeah. Do you know that for a fact? Well, uh Bobby, I'm sorry, not Bobby, Danny Johnson, um, who works for Stab and does their podcast called The Drop. He announced yeah. it on the podcast. He kind of mentioned oh. it in um in passing. It wasn't like a huge, we have a new announcement. He just mentioned right. uh he mentioned it and I, we How talked, did he
0: mentioned it. How did it go? Come down. It was
1: casual. It was like, yeah, Kelly's getting boards for the next step, uh, electric acid, surfboard test, you know? So look forward to that
0: kind of a thing. That's cool. Well, that's going to be great. Right. That the only problem with that is we're anticipating it's going to be the best one ever. How do you top it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it, do you go out on a, on a winning note here?
1: Well, oh, um, look, I think, um, sorry, I gotta, I gotta open this window. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> um i don't think they have to worry about how to top it or when to peak so to speak like they can um, things change from year to year and there'll be new people and new concepts and i i think one of the strengths of this concept which we weren't sure about last week is the fact that there's two surfers um i liked having both mason and coco and the real key there was that they made boards for each of them it wasn't that they were sharing a uh, aboard. They had specific customs made for each of them. So I thought that was really smart.
0: Yeah, here's hoping that um, Mason stops kind of stepping on host's thought process or maybe maybe the filmers realized it or the editors and they're going to pull them away from each other and have them talk separately individually I don't
1: I, I don't think they do. I think everybody, not everybody, but I think up until this moment, uh, they thought more was more. They thought Mason is great on camera. Mason's charismatic, and so let's just let Mason go. And the reality is, uh, <laughs> it's not true. It well, has his mean, limitations, and I love Mason. You know what I mean? Like, it, I I hope we're not coming off as sounding like we're making fun of him in any way. It's just
0: um, no, we're just being hypercritical. Um, well, maybe not hyper, but we're this is our job is to drill down. We love the electric acid surfboard test. And I'm looking forward to seeing Mason and Coco rip some more.
1: Yeah. And, um, but the good. Panda, you're giving the Panda, the Shri, Pandas, the Shriz is your pick for episode one.
0: It's kind of a toss up. I, I love the way that Coco is riding the Bobby quad, but both yeah. those words looked really good.
1: Um, so it's interesting. The Bobby quad is so short right? And like, this is yeah. kind of, we see trends develop. I mean, the five, five by 19 and a quarter thing, the mid-length thing the last year or two. And this is kind of out of left field going super short quads aren't exactly, um, in vogue at the moment, you know? And so I don't know. It's interesting. I didn't, I didn't see this board coming, but everybody who's written it. Cause I do talk to those guys at channel islands. They've been telling me about it for a year. And they're like, dude, this thing's unreal. Yada Nichols, like that's all that he's riding. Obviously, Bobby's into it. Um, all the R and D team there, like the employees, are loving
0: it. So curious, curious to yeah. see more on it. Yeah. Are you into quads, Jude? Uh, I, I mean, I ride everything, and I've I've had short quads, you know, but not really that short. I can't ride boards that short. But I
1: mean, it's it's. Five I love foot. quads.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's ridiculous. You know what? Here's my hope that everybody buys a five foot quad. <laughs> and i'll just be on my seven two just going yeah coming down no, no that's horrible that's why surfers are the worst right there not at all that's totally fine <laughs> but um, yeah i mean look i love the quad and i've got a new one coming from my friend wayne rich he's making me a five ten. Right. Five ten is about as short as i go these days yeah if somebody tries to convince me that i need a five two i'm i'm not sure They don't realize how old I am.
1: Well, again, I got to see them ride that Bobby quad more. I haven't seen enough footage on it, you know, but sometimes it unlocks something in your brain. They're surfing it differently that it unlocks something in your brain. You go, Oh, I just need to stand here or do this instead. And the board works.
0: Well, you and I are either in front of or behind the curve because I'm back on six, two tri-fins with a bunch of concave for lift. And I would just, I mean, I, I, the other day I was doing a cup, you know, I just one or two, I, I had a couple of waves where I, for the first time in a long time, I was like down to the bottom, going. I'm going right up there with this board. Cause it's narrow enough and it's got this fin back here. That's going to allow me to now I'm sure I was going at nine o'clock. I felt yeah. like I was going at 12 o'clock, but the idea that there was an oncoming section that I was going to go up and over rather than drive around, you know, how was, good does that feel? it felt great. I think that's what I'm saying. I got, I'm like, Oh my God, this is almost the board. I just need it in a six, two. And that's when I started scouring websites for, for this. And I want a round tail. I just got a really cool piezels squash tail, but I forgot how much I love round tails. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That feeling though of going vert like that, when you've been riding like, bigger wider boards for yeah. a year where, yeah. and then and then the waves get good and you take out the thruster and you really hit the lip the way that you want to you're like oh i still got it like it actually i know, felt good, I, know. You know? I,
0: I had that ex- experience i know exactly <laughs> where you're coming. and the first time like i was down at the bottom going i think i actually can go up there with this board yeah, know, yeah, yeah sort yeah. of tentative and then i'm like oh oh yeah you know and then I, you're like you know paddling around oh, i'm gonna do this. and that's all i was thinking about like, we're just gonna go straight up on a couple because this board does that you know I had
1: the wave yesterday, but like the perfect shortboard right runner with like two or three sections on it, but I was on the mid length. And so, but as I was bottom turning, I was looking at that section going, oh my gosh, I so wish, you know? <laughs> and unfortunately I just had to like go up and high line it and then come down, which was still fun. But then I realized that my, I was kind of beating myself up thinking like, man, I should have still just tried to like crack that thing. And then I was walking up the beach and I thought, I wouldn't have even gotten into the wave if I was on the shortboard. like oh. when that wave was approaching, I positioned in the lineup for it just effortlessly because I was on the mid length and the way that I paddled into it as well, it like I would have had to take off later on the shortboard. I might have been behind it for the bottom turn. I wouldn't have been able to get up to that section but because, Position in the lineup and then I kind of angled into it and had the early entry and was able to be driving off the bottom at that moment it was all because of the mid length.
0: you know? Yeah. It's funny because this board that I'm riding from Bob is a, it's a six, four. And so as I'm on the beach going, man, if I just had a six, two of this, and then I do go to that thought that you just had, like, I might not be able to catch as many waves. Like the six, four paddles, like a dream, you know, yeah. I'm picking up everything. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I had a, <laughs> a talk with Daniel about, You probably saw on Daniel's Instagram, maybe he basically threw a question out to the public about what's the perfect performance nose look like? Do we really need a sharp nose and have a performance board that you're comfortable with? You know, you feel like it's going to take you to the same places that a super pointy nose board. Basically, those last two inches. Do we need those last two inches? Can we just somehow dolphin off that nose? And even probably more important to the marketplace will the public buy into it? You know, we're all yeah. so conservative. We're like, oh, it doesn't have a pointy nose. No, it doesn't look sexy enough, you know? Anyway. Yeah, yeah.
1: What are what are your thoughts to that? What's your answer?
0: My thoughts are, I don't care what I look like, you know, walking down the beach. Like, if, I would much rather have a, a dolphin nose surfboard, and I'm convinced that a dolphin nose surfboard is gonna go to the same places. I think it does too. Yeah.
1: I don't think you need those last two inches. No um surf ranch starts tomorrow rio is officially gone there's all sorts of wsl news were you surprised to see rio removed from the list
0: no you and i both have been speaking about this probably since they first put it on the list we're like that's not going to happen and it's no surprise and it's sort of interesting that i mean i guess they're just throwing you know mud on the wall to see what sticks about a year ago when they put that on the calendar and yeah not surprised and whatever
1: and won't miss it by the way
0: won't yeah thank you
1: um barra got moved to august 10th to make room for the olympics and everybody's kind of potential quarantine traveling to and from tokyo so barra is in mexico do you think that will happen
0: i do me i do too. think that will happen me too uh, there I, that, that area is open for travel for tourists surfing tourists everyone's down there surfing it's it's kind of like well, i don't know the last Four or five years, it's been sort of, I don't know what the phrase is, the spot de jour, if you will, or that would be spot of the day. What, how would you say French in French? How would in you vogue. Say? In vogue, yeah, spot de vogue. De vogue? <laughs> spot de vogue.
1: Um, And then Tahiti got moved back a couple of days to August 24th, and then we'll end at Lowers. So that's what the rest of the season looks like. Um, Beach Grit rumored that Snapper is gone. Did you see this news? I did.
0: I did see this news. So
1: from Derek Riley. When it comes
0: from Derek, you feel like there's some validity to it.
1: Agreed. Um, so he gave a quote from the state tourism minister, Sterles Hinch, Hinchcliffe. Sense, and actually, before I get to that, I'll give you Derek's um, Derek's writing. He says, sensing blood, New South Wales and Western Australia created war chests of up to $5 million to snatch the event away from Queensland, which offered half a million towards the running of the event, believed to cost around 4 million. Um, The number that I've heard uh, from insiders is that it costs 3 million to run an event nowadays, not four, but... Uh, At the time, the state tourism minister, Sturls Hinchcliffe, said he was, quote, disappointed that the WSL's decision to chase short-term dollars at the expense of surfing tradition. The WSL made it clear, holding the event at Snapper Rocks this year was conditional on the Queensland's government government picking up the quarantine tab for the WSL's international competitors. And Long Tom had a pretty uh, salient, quote, I think that not only applies to this situation, it kind of, and it wasn't written about this article, it was written kind of uh, about a different event, but I think it applies to a much bigger picture. And Long Tom said, without a functioning business model to wean itself off of state tourism bodies, the WSL is locked in a prison of its own
0: making. Yeah, I mean, look, you have to get revenues sponsorship dollars somewhere. If it's from Michelob Ultra, there's still a prison you're in. You know, if, if you're, if you're banking, I understand what he's saying. He's basically saying without tourist dollars from bureaus, you know, chambers of commerce, so to speak governments, we can't run events. Well without dollars, you can't run events. So who cares where you get the dollars from?
1: Look, I think the point there is those state tourism things were, um, they've always been used, or they've been collected when possible, but they were never the core business model. And I think that the WSL has gotten itself into a position where um, they don't have sponsorship dollars coming in anymore. And let's go way back, by the way, for the listener. Um, Prior to it being the WSL, it was the ASP. And the ASP's model was The event costs at that time $2 million to run. So they would have one of the big surf brands sponsor each event to the tune of $2 million to cover all the costs. And then for that, the sponsor, Quicksilver, let's say, would get the rights, the licensing rights to the visuals, the footage, the content from the event. So they would either use that in their own marketing and or also try to work licensing deals on the side to then sell it. Uh, for, you know, streaming on or for television viewing or whatever. So they were able to recoup that $2 million investment. That business model worked to varying degrees. Sometimes it worked great. Other times, you know, it'd be a loss, but it worked because especially the brands were still making money uh, by selling all the clothing and all that sort of stuff. So it made sense. If it was just a marketing expense, they still would have done it without the back end earning. Well, the WSL came in and they threw that model out. And they said, no, we are going to retain all of the um, content licensing rights because we have these ideas for ways that we can put this out into the public. Well, now it's been, what, seven, eight years that the WSL has been doing it and they've struggled to do that successfully. So now they've been going that long without having the two or $3 million sponsor Uh, revenue coming in per event. And now they're kind of, it feels like now they're kind of working these other deals to try to make up for those losses. But I think to long Tom's point is, if you didn't realize the business model was broken in the last eight years, then don't make these decisions. Don't forego the snapper event just because the money's over here right now. There's a much bigger picture at play and you're making these very short-term decisions. And you've lost the you've lost the plot, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, th- these are great points. And that's a really great breakdown that you did. And and a couple things on top of that, too, um, you know, when the WSL sort of changed the pair, changed the model and and they they I think they were assuming, hey, what we'll do is we're going to change the model. The brands don't get the license to the to the end content anymore. We own it. But hey, would you still like to sponsor this event? And the the Quicksilvers were like, no. And oh, by the way, it was sort of a perfect storm because at that point, Quicksilver and Billabong were in bankruptcy. Yeah, you know, like it was kind of like not a good time for brands to go. Yeah, I'll give you two million. Now, when the ASP was running, it the other cool thing that the brands got first, they were flush with cash. Everything was rosy. You know, two thousand and two, whatever internet booms going off, and um, they got the ability. Like Quicksilver could or say billabong could run an event kelly slater could win it and they could market kelly slater even though he was a quicksilver guy yep and that didn't obviously go well with a lot of people but that was one of the benefits too and it was like everyone was kind of it was very incestuous everyone would go down to the sema surf summit together and shake hands and kiss babies and we're all making money and then the whole thing is blown up there basically like so anyway that's enough out of me about that but yeah
1: yeah and i i guess what i'm surprised by is that the wsl hasn't um transitioned into a subscription model yet i mean the writing was on the wall for subscription kind of servicing five years ago if not more i mean if not pay-per-view like nba nfl like everybody has this kind of access all access type pass uh disney has their own streaming now everybody, you and I have a subscription service. Stab magazine has Stab premium subscription service. The fact that the WSL hasn't just said, look, instead of chasing a hundred million viewers, you know, at, uh, and then trying to sell, have all these revenues coming in from all these sponsors, let's just focus on 5 million viewers and have them each give us 60 bucks a year. That's They could run a business on that.
0: Let me ask you this. Um, And I'm wondering if this is what goes through their mind when they're thinking about this process and this model that that you've summarized here. Let's say they go, snapper, we're going to do it. It's a subscription model. It's like you said, $60 a year and whatever, $5 an event. And they do it, but some guy goes down to the beach with his camera and just goes, you know what? I'm going to live stream this. And my point is, is that because they're not in um arenas like soccer or football or baseball or basketball they don't control the content yeah now i'm not saying that that's what's necessarily going to happen but you got to know that there's going to be some rogue now i know they don't get the production value they don't get the commentary they don't get the professional broadcast team they're just going to so, get Joe blow on the beach going hey i'm going to film but i'm sure so... that goes through part of the and let me also say this before you jump in I think they were going to go to a subscription model and then COVID hit and you're not going to do COVID a subscription model when you don't know what the hell's going on.
1: Yeah. Um, The Joe and I were
0: gearing up for a subscription model to happen like any month right before. COVID. Well, because we,
1: we were talking about it three years ago. And then they, and then they sent out a survey asking if we would be, if remember that they sent out a survey, literally going, would you be willing to pay? What amount would you be willing to pay? Um, But the Joe blow filming thing. I, if there's a big UFC fight on, I want to see like the knockout and the final, you know, submission or whatever. And, but I don't want to pay the 60 bucks for the event. What I do is I go on Twitter and I search the hashtag for the event. And there's a bunch of people who did exactly what you said. They filmed the TV and I watch it. I just watch the highlight that I wanted to see. And that's my workaround. So that's the equivalent, the people that are posting that on Twitter are the equivalent of the guy filming on the beach but the UFC still send, uh, still sells millions of pay-per-views despite right. me finding the workaround. They yeah. still make their money. You know, So yeah, the WSL won't be able to stop certain things like that. Yeah. But yeah, they'll build an amazing viewing experience that you and I have no problem paying the $5.
0: I think what for. you're saying is, is if their product is good enough, they don't have to worry about that. Exactly. That's yeah.
1: exactly right. And so, and that solves, that allows them to have the freedom to make the right decisions for surfing, like put the best surfers in the best waves and all that sort of stuff. They're not beholden to all of these other, you know, um, I don't know, whoever.
0: So let me ask you this. And you may have mentioned this earlier and I missed it, but where does the snapper event, where are they going? Are they going? We know they're going to bells, right?
1: Well, bells is still on bells, I guess is on for three years, but based on Derek's thing saying that, um, New South Wales and Western Australia created war chests of up to $5 million. Okay, The event would be in one of those two states, and we don't know. They have not
0: announced a location. Where yet. would you like to see New South Wales? I mean, Lennox, but they're
1: not going to – they already got booted oh. out of Lennox previously.
0: Oh, yeah. What about – is Byron? No, Byron's too much like San Onofre.
1: I don't know of uh, like high-performance – yeah. You know, like, a, but by the way, I'm going to miss Snapper. Like, I think Snapper I is in a phenomenal event yeah. and it adds something that not, there's no other venue on tour, you know, oh, and I guess legacy. the legacy. I mean, I was shocked to see it's only actually been on tour since 2002. I thought, yeah, of but it. I
0: mean, I mean, just in general, yeah, yeah, like yeah, Kira, yeah. like just the legacy of surf culture, like the fact that, oh, Snapper's not good, but Kira's insane. Let's go to Kira. Like, you know, like there's just so much culture, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that they could make an argument that, um, Barra, you know, it's a running right point break, surf ranch, whatever. But I mean, but in New South those Wales, aren't, snapper. where would
0: you, where would you like to go in New South Wales? Like, I, let's I, answer that question. Cause I don't know. It you can't be the Sydney beaches. Please tell me. It's no. Not-
1: oh God. And yeah, so that, well,
0: that's what you think, right? When you think New South Wales, you're like, oh, okay. They're going to have it in an Airbnb. All right.
1: Dude, if they actually double down, if in a year of non COVID, they double down and go back and did what they did in the COVID year. I mean, I don't know. I don't know when
0: we actually hit rock bottom here, but <laughs> well, how well do you know those people? you know New South Wales is pretty big. You know, like what about some place like Avoca? That point, I mean, it's not a world-class wave. I don't know it I well don't know. enough. Yeah, I don't know it well enough. We need to take a commercial break because I, I want to tell you about the boardroom show and headstock. I can't wait.
1: We're excited to tell our listeners about athleticgreens.com/surf. Of course, it's a monthly subscription. It's a green powder. You can actually buy it once, but the the key is sign up for the monthly. It shows up at your door once a month and it keeps you healthy day in and day out.
0: And you've just finished your 12 ounce allotment. I see the vitality. There's a certain glow to your skin now, your hair is standing up perhaps more than it's ever stood up. So yes, Athletic Greens, I'm a big fan. I drink it every day.
1: If I was sluggish at the beginning of the show, And then you noticed how much more chipper I became mid-show. This is the reason why. Exactly. Uh, All right, Scott, back to the show. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free.
0: Yeah, so um, boardroom show's happening September 25th and 26th, and we've got a full house. It's going to be a massive show. Seminars, exhibits, a demo morning, of course, honoring Pat Rosson and the icons of Foam Shape-Off. Eight Shaper's going to get together and honor Pat Rosson by attempting to replicate one of his classic designs. Uh, Live music, Best in Show, brought to you by Zio Baffa Organic Italian Wines. Of course, the whole entire boardroom show presented by U.S. Blanks. And we're excited about that. And real quick, before we get back into the show, Headstock Guitar Lovers Festival. If you're a guitar lover, you're going to want to check out Headstock. It's November 6th and 7th. It's in San Diego, and it's a consumer-facing show, much like the boardroom show, where luthiers, builders of guitars, are going to display their wares. They're going to sell their wares, and it's um, going to be insane. We'll have live performances and seminars and stuff like that as well.
1: You know who the shapers are for the icons of foam?
0: Yeah. Uh, more or less, right now it's Sam Egan, Luke Egan's father. Incredible.
1: He's coming yeah. from Australia?
0: That right now he is. And what that's... the heck? I know. Bill Barnfield, um, Chris Christensen, Timmy Patterson, uh, Tokuda-san from Harlem's oh. Reports, the winner of the Tokyo Unbelievable Corbinger show. Um No, I'm missing some obvious. Oh, Ricky Carroll. A couple others that I'm fading on right now. But Pat Rawson's chosen these shapers. Oh, Ryan Birch, of course, the defending champion from the Wayne Lynch shape-off.
1: Versus the Timmy Patterson, who is the uh, shapes boards for the defending world champion surfer.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Dang. Lots of world champs in one place. Now, before we went to commercial, I was asking about New South Wales, and I just can't think of any spot that excites me. Now, I know there's a ton of waves, but there's a ton of waves in Southern California. It doesn't mean that WSL is going to have an event at Rincon or going to have an event at Sea. There's just certain cultures and certain yeah, dynamics that's... and the fabrics of communities that don't allow. For, and Lennox Head's a great example. Yeah, great wave. No, you can't come here. We don't want you. Yeah. And I'm, I, I would ask you. Has the WCL built up more goodwill or less goodwill towards these types of communities? I mean, I think the communities are more apt to say, no, nah, no thanks, you know, like we're good, than be like, oh yeah, we can't wait for the revenue stream that's going to be coming in because of you guys. You know, like what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's unique to each specific community. Like obviously, Lennox fought it off. Um, and then from what I heard on the ground in Narrabeen, People loved it, you know. It was just like they were thrilled to have the event there, and yeah. um, so I think it just depends on kind of how the community is. Yeah, but they're words, like, if it's,
0: if it's not a world class wave, we're happy. You're here. <laughs> if it's a world class <laughs> exactly. wave, please don't show
1: up. We're good. That's exactly what the difference is. Um, Slater makes his return to Surf Ranch. By the way, are you excited for this team.
0: I put him on my fantasy team. Did you? Yeah. Terrible pick. He's a third tier guy. I wouldn't like he's a third tier shaper. I mean surfer on the W+4. I
1: agree with that statement. <laughs> so
0: um, I picked I picked him because I just feel like you know, if there's ever going to be a push, it's going to be that's where the push is going to happen. Like if it's like, a yeah. 5.2 or a 5.8, let's give him a 6.2. No. I don't, I don't see him
1: know. I don't see him doing well in the event. Um yeah. there's too many spry high energy yeah, yeah but he's
0: so comfortable with that wave there's no a lot he's of guys. not
1: dude i he's mean not, the last no that. no the last event that he surfed there he was falling mid mid ride and he was like he wasn't nearly surfing as well as anybody else and he was falling mid ride because he was trying to push himself to the level of griffin Colapinto or whatever yeah um so no i do not anticipate kelly doing well in this event i don't i think that he should have sat it out to be honest with you i think um you know, play the injury card again, stay out of this event, make your return at Borrow where you could actually like get tens. He's yeah. there's no chance of him getting a 10 at Surf Ranch zero, you know. Mm. Um, Let interesting, yeah, go.
0: Remember, we had our, our list of top 10 waves of all time, all time top 10 waves ever ridden, right? And we had yeah. waves like, like Tom Carroll's 1991 snap at Pipeline on a Pat Rosson board, by the way. Tom Kern's apartheid wave at J Bay in 92, Derek Ho's incredible pipe barrel. And then I think it was in the in 91 or something like that. Anyway, there's all these iconic waves that everyone goes, oh, yeah, I was thinking this morning, here's here's one that may or may not be able to crowbar into the list of all time top 10 all time waves ridden. hard list, hard list to crack, right? There's we've already got like 20 waves that should be on this list. Kelly Slater's very first wave at the surf ranch, the one that broke the internet is that I knew
1: you, I knew is you were that going to in it.
0: there. Is that in there though? Is that one of the top top 10 waves of all time ever ridden?
1: No, it wasn't. Um, it was an important moment, you know, to kind of usher in this new era that we're in now of wave pools, but it wasn't like a heroically surfed wave. It was the wave itself was beautiful, but it wasn't like the best surfing we had ever
0: seen done. You don't think it was a, 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 a uh, pinpoint on the timeline of surfing's history, this this moment that was captured, this where we all just went, holy shit, did you see what Kelly Slater created?
1: We did do all of that. I mean, but, culturally,
0: but, historically significant, maybe. Yeah.
1: I don't I just don't want to acknowledge it, I guess. But I, I guess right. you we would have to define the criteria a little bit clearer. Cause um, if I think about waves surfed at surf ranch, that one isn't even in my top 10, you know, of
0: best waves written there. (laughs) When I think of waves written at surf ranch, they all seem the same. Yeah, exactly. They're they're all the same. Like the surfing that Kelly did on that very first wave, it hasn't changed that much.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, so here's the, Chloe and Dino's out. John John Florence is out. Jordy Smith is out. Julian Wilson is out. Michelle Perez is out. and those surfers are gonna be replaced by Mikey Wright, Liam O'Brien, Lucas Vicenti, Pat Gadowskis, and Eli Hanneman. Um, it's also a different format for this event, different structure, uh, there's no heats or it's a different structure of heats um, and different ranking system or like kind of tiered ranking system than any other event on tour. And that is of course because the waves are predictable. So every surfer, they're gonna go in runs rather than heats. And each surfer, you can go look at the um, schedule of events, basically, or schedule of runs right now on their website. So it's like starting tomorrow morning, right at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. Uh, I don't know who the first surfer is, but let's just say Adriana de Souza. he gets his right and his left. And then the next surfer gets their right and their left. And then the next surfer gets their right and their left. And and scores are based on a right and a left. There's no heat strategy in this uh, format. There's no priority. It's just the actual surfing on the wave that gets scored, obviously.
0: Yeah, um, you and I have been lucky enough to surf there a couple times. And I will say that although the wave is basically statics, the same wave over and over, there is wind issues. There are yeah. wind conditions. And you could easily get good wind conditions and then three hours later, a fellow competitor could get horrible wind conditions, at least on one of the waves.
1: And they've allotted time in the schedule to let people have a redo if they get. I I remember last time Malia Manuel got really screwed with a wave that was it was a left that was just like really crumbly the whole time.
0: And so they let her redo that. Well, the other equation, the other side of that is. Look, when they have half pipe runs in Olympic snowboard, there's certain times in the day when the snow gets slushier and softer because the sun came out or whatever, you know, like conditions yeah. change in those environments as well as all.
1: For sure. And it's the, I guess we could make the argument that they shouldn't get, you should have to respond to the wave, just like you do in the ocean, right? You should just read the wave and be able to apply and respond to it and impose your will even. And the idea that we're all in a headspace here where, we're expecting a section and waiting to see what a surfer does on that section versus what the previous surfer did on that section puts it in a whole different kind of mind space. And maybe that's how they justify giving somebody a, a redo a mulligan. Yeah. Interesting. I'm well, not, so what are your, yeah. No. What are your thoughts? Are you watching? <laughs> no. Dude, I looked at the schedule of who's surfing when, and it yeah. was so unbelievably tedious. I was yeah. like, Uh, okay, 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 okay. Um, And then I'm like only at nine 30 in the morning and I was already bored through the tedium. And then I realized, I think this would be okay if I was busy moving throughout the day. So if I'm cleaning the house and I'm doing the lawn and then I'm going to work a little bit and I'm watching it a little bit here and there, I'd be okay with it. But the idea of sitting and watching an event is just pain, painful. And the highlights will be kind of all you need, you know, like if they put together a five minute highlight package at the end of the day, I think that's adequate.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be tuning in and I wish I was, I wish I was excited about it. I'm simply not. And um, there's a lot they're competing against as well. I mean, from me personally, my standpoint, there's, there's NHL hockey, there's San Diego Padres baseball, there's the U S open of golf, there's a frigging pickleball tournament here in Encinitas this weekend, believe it or not, like a world tournament. Wow! If the WSL tournament.
1: lost to
0: pickleball, that's bad. <laughs> well, it's not on TV. You got to go watch it in person. But um, anyway, my point is there, there's a lot, you know, going on. Yeah. So. And so, and what about the heat? The heat is actually interesting to me. I think that's a story that is being underreported. Yeah. I know Beach Grit did a kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing on it, but I I think that's actually a concern. Yeah, that's a massive. Are they by the way are they allowing spectators at this thing?
1: Oh, great question. I do not think so. I've okay. not I haven't even thought about that, but yeah, I haven't seen it advertised that they were anywhere cuz usually that's something that they try to advertise heavily to sell tickets. Yeah. Um I mean this if if other events haven't highlighted the need for fewer surfers on tour, I mean this is the icing on the cake. Like when you look at that list of names and you realize how long it takes to run this event, And you know, 20 of them don't even have a shot at not only winning the event, they don't even have a shot at getting a nine on a wave, you know, like, then what is the point? What is the exercise that we're doing here?
0: (laughs) David. Don't you agree? you're waving it off bro. <laughs>
1: Don't you agree? I mean, you yeah. look at that list and you're just like, why do I have to watch this guy? Why do I have to watch that guy? Why do I have to like, there's no chance. Like I said, that Kelly's going to get a 10 out there and I'll tell not, you who you're will. not
0: going to watch Kelly. Okay, I'll watch
1: we, him because yeah. it's
0: part of my job, but will you watch Adriana. No, <laughs> heck no. I'll
1: look away out of spite. If he comes <laughs> on the screen, I'm just going to go like this, <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you, I'm going to give you my picks. Okay. Um, The obvious are Gabriel Medina to win it. I think Idolo will give him a run for his money. I think Felipe might be in that third spot. Four and five, I'm actually going to give to Griffin Colapinto and then uh, Kanoa Igarashi, I think, would be a contender in number five. Those are perfect, perfect choices. Kanoa's looking spry. He's writing the dark arts. And he uh, has, I think the mental fortitude to not fall. So I, I could see him getting barreled, big carves, blowing the tail, not falling, which is something that I I mean, name your surfer. They will, you know, I could see if it scales. <laughs> four times Sorry. in a row. You teed that up for me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly though, you know, yeah. like other yeah, everybody right. else who's trying to go as big as those guys I just named, they'll end up falling on one or two of their rides and they'll just Wash out in the early yeah. rounds. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the Challenger series is going to be starting up at the end of the um, kind of at the end of the CT season. Yeah. The only event that runs before the CT season ends is the U.S. Open on August second, which will be interesting. Um, the Ericeira Pro is in September.
0: Yeah. There's the two Quick, in Europe. The
1: Quick yeah. Pro also in September, the week after. And then Hawaii. And then yeah, Hollyiva yeah. and Sunset.
0: yeah stab did a really good rundown on this i don't know if you saw this it was basically like who's going to lose their job because of covid
1: (laughs) meaning pro surfers that'll lose their jobs
0: pro surfers are going to lose their qs guys are going to lose their job because yeah and i'm excited for a local guy jake marshall he's been chipping away
1: i forgot about
0: him i i know well he i think he might have at one point he maybe gave up but he's back on and basically the the summary of the stab piece is that it usually takes four to five years for guys and those guys usually start at like 120th and the next year they're at 80 and the next year they're at 60 and the next year they're at 25th and the next year they're at nine and they make it like there's a, there's a charting, an upward, you know, graph that moves upward um, left to right. The, and those are the guys that do good. And Jake has that, line, has that movement, has that sort of lineage up the chart. Yeah. And so, I'd like to see Jay cause he's a local guy and his dad's a good guy and his family are good. Pe- you know, like I just, yeah, you know that's yeah. a purely biased opinion, but he's a red hot surfer. And frankly, he was about to qualify except for, you know, you could argue that they pushed Parko through a heat because it was his last year on tour. And, it, uh, you know, it's neither here nor there, but it was one of those toss up heats where you're like, God, if he, he could have made that heat, he would have qualified.
1: Was that at lowers?
0: No, it was at Haleva.
1: Oh, 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 um, and so that's also sun, uh, pipe, sunset, and Holly have all been approved. The permitting has been approved for 2022, 23, and 24 for the WSL. So that's
0: all good news. There's a ton of drama there, even though I poo poo the QS and, like, kind of, you know, you've heard me say, oh, whatever. They're all... There is a ton of drama there that could be made, that has been and can continue to be made into really good short snippet stories. Um, and they, they did a really good interview, not a, it's not super deep, but they stab talk to Jake Patterson and he's sort of the coach guy that that gets these guys on tour. He's sort of the go-to guy, one of them. Anyway, I, there's, there's potential for great content there. If it's done right, the drama behind qualifying for the tour.
1: Um, my must see moment, obviously we were promoting it last week, even though we hadn't seen it yet is lost track Atlantic episode two. Um, it's better than episode one. I mean, the surfing is really incredible in this episode. They make it to North Africa. There's obviously barreling right-handers. And um, the way that Torin, like those mid-links that he rides you would think have limitations. I haven't identified any limitations. Like he rides those things. He had to knife into sections on those waves, you know, that you would think you would need a high performance six foot shortboard to knife into and he's knifing in and then pulling up under and weaving and navigating through the barrels. Um, It's incredible. He's an incredible surfer.
0: Yeah. I think that's what it is here. What you have is just, you know, you have a 20 something year old surfer. who's at the top of his game. How old is he? I bet he's 26 or something. Probably. Yeah. I mean, that's when you're at the top of your physical, you know? And so, um, you know, he's just a great surfer and he's at the peak. And so he could probably ride anything really, really good. Yeah. And he's another guy that might be an electric acid surfboard test guy, but
1: yeah. Um, did, before you sign us off, do you know what audios and Aloha auto corrects to, if you try to write it in your phone?
0: Oh, what
1: radios and alpha oh a, a listener a listener said that in an email he sent to us he signed it off with that with audios and aloha and then said ps by the way it autocorrects to radios and alpha so oh, fair if you ever enough. Want to sign off the show with radios and alpha scott all right good stuff good stuff
0: um is our kook surfer magazine or do we not even want to go there
1: <laughs> oh I forgot about that uh, yeah let's go I there do it I
0: just I was looking at my cooker, dude oh uh, i don't i really don't care to even talk about it i don't it doesn't bother me one way or well, the other tell the listeners oh, what so you that surfer magazine put out a, a a top five podcast i think it was top five was it top five yeah top five podcasts that you should listen to and Surf none podcast. of david's offerings were included which is which is bullshit um but that's just my opinion and look that's all this thing is is opinion but um and of course the boardroom podcast and this one spit um not in there as one of the top five podcasts surfing podcasts that you that are must listens so you know take it with a grain of salt
1: um the funny so i had a number of listeners send this to me and they're kind of the consensus they all had various things to say but the one thing that they all said was holy cow surfer magazine is irrelevant entirely irrelevant like did they just google because even if they googled surf podcasts our names would come up you know and then if they were running any objective metric, let's say um, number of downloads, uh, number of Apple reviews on iTunes, you know, rating on, aside from the reviews themselves, the ratings on iTunes, or if they ran any of those objective criteria, we'd be at the top of the list on all of those lists. And so people were like, "Was this just a vendetta? Like, is there somebody who just doesn't like you guys who published?" And I'm, I'm like, I have no idea. I,
0: <laughs> probably somebody doesn't like me. Who knows? I hope yeah. that's not the case. Maybe well, I and you an started
1: podcasting at surfer magazine. Exactly. like it. it w-
0: and so whoever wrote
1: that article probably doesn't even know that detail. And yeah. so what, and so what I replied to most people was like, I wouldn't have even clicked on that article. Like, yeah, surfer magazine, unfortunately has lost relevance and they're behind the trend. Whenever they're writing about something, it's like something that, you know, we were talking about a year ago. Um, So it doesn't surprise me that they would miss the mark on this as well. Um, But uh, I don't know. I don't know what else I was going to say about that. I'm just, I wouldn't have even clicked on it anyways. I wasn't leaning on them for um, any insights into what's happening in the podcast world. And I also figured it was probably written by one person and that one person's fully entitled to their opinion. And if it's not an, if it's not a outright vendetta, (laughs) <laughs> then they probably just don't like our show as much as they like the other ones which is yeah. totally valid you know yeah, they're, it they're is. Entitled it to read
0: but it they should put is. their
1: name on the article and there wasn't there wasn't the name of the author it was just mm. written by quote surfer um i just i guess people work there still like i thought they closed dude i don't know who's i mean we knew everybody that was working there and none of them are working there so it was purchased by whoever owns men's journal so maybe they have kind of and then
0: probably an intern or something that works for all the back
1: end who's doing writing these little pieces for all the various magazines you know um but i saw it i guess with any of these things um i feel it as an opportunity to seize the day more than anything you know i see like because it's i don't take personal offense to it i see it as we're interacting with listeners day in and day out And we have, we're taking the pulse, their pulse every day. So we kind of know what trends are happening in real time. And if what we viewed as kind of a legacy uh, surf media company is missing the trend and the pulse that hard, like, wow, okay. It's our opportunity just to run really fast, you know, and to create as much runway, like what other uh industries could you come in and disrupt in this way like they've just opened the door for us completely to maintain this one-on-one engagement with the listenership and the fan base and continue catering content to them based on what they're interested in and what they want to see who they want to hear interviewed
0: all that sort of stuff
1: you know yeah listening
0: i I am no i totally am and um i uh, you know my take on this is okay what that's fine i'm 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 I've always just been like, you know what, me personally, I'm not for everybody. There's definitely people that are like anti and that's fine. You know, like you just can't please everyone. It's really, it's none of my, it's not none of my business. What other people think of me.
1: Yeah. Which is why I didn't take it personally, but I looked at it from kind of a business perspective and yeah. just thought, Jesus, man, this is a real opportunity here. They're missing the plot of what people are actually listening to.
0: Yeah. You know? It's too bad. Too bad for a surfer
1: it's really, I mean, it's been a challenge in my adult life to see some of my heroes fall from grace or like, just to like, not have the sheen of youth where you just idolize who these people are, you know, and you get to be an adult and you're just like, by the way,
0: I was up at surfing heritage and culture center the other day. And um, remember we were going to do the podcast from John Severson's desk. Yeah. And I talked to him, I'm like, God, right before COVID hit, David and I were just about to start doing each and every podcast from John Severson's desk, the founder of Surfer Magazine. They have his desk, the one that he worked at for decades and decades on classic Surfer Magazine. And it would have been so fun for us to podcast from the desk of John Severson. And we would have done it with great reverence and respect. And and then I was like, I don't know, David and I are pretty comfortable with Zoom. It's so much easier than to drive up. him to drive down and me to drive up, you know, each week. Um, anyway, that's, that was an opportunity lost, but. COVID interrupted it. It's not our fault. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. I think that's code for, we're going to continue to do Zoom <laughs> podcasts. It's so much easier. It and worked. they're good. They're, they're, it works fine. The beauty is, is that we had so much um, one-on-one, you know, or uh, just for before that. You know. Yeah. All right, Scott, good show. Yes. Go surfing. Until next time, adios and aloha. Mm -hmm.
1: and don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com/surf that's linkedin.com/surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply